Sexual assault is a very serious subject that should not be taken lightly. However, in an era where it is easier than ever to falsely accuse someone with little to no consequences with an alternative motive in mind, it's time that you ask yourself, is sex really worth it anymore? Hello, my beloved listener. Thank you for tuning in to the MGTOW Academy Show, your one-stop spot for MGTOW Talk. This is Season 2, Episode Number 9, and I'd like to thank you for joining me wherever you are in our very big universe. And before we begin today's show, I'd like to remind you that I'm not a lawyer and that what I discuss does not constitute for legal advice, nor does it form an attorney-client relationship. And for personal legal matters of any sort, consult an attorney or legal professional. And also, a special thank you to my friends at Resonant Recordings, for editing and mixing today's episode. So with that out of the way, in today's episode, I'd like to discuss something that's been on my mind for a while now. I've covered a pretty decent amount of false accusations tied in with sexual harassment and rape, right? But just moments earlier on Twitter, all right, one of my followers whose Twitter handle is at DinoNerdFallen2 pointed out to me on Twitter an event that happened earlier this year, all right? Now, let's sidetrack so I can explain some stuff a bit, shall we? If you're not aware, there's this uh, loophole with filing sexual harassment cases at universities, all right? If there's one thing universities love, it's money, all right? It's money. And the sources from information uh, that I will be discussing within the next couple of minutes will be available for you in the description box below for my viewers on YouTube and in the episode information section for my listeners on the podcast platform. So a couple of years back, the Obama administration's Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Education notified academic institutions that received federal funding and, quote unquote, exerted improper pressure to lower the standards for evidence and reduce due process protections for cases involving sexual assault. All right. In other words, universities had two options, lose federal funding or make it easier for false accusations to occur. And as a result, universities then lower the standards for evidence and attenuated the already fragile due process protections in place. If government funded schools failed to follow the orders from the federal government, they would face consequences such as directed negative publicity loss of federal financial support and placement on a watch list all right and the standards for evi- the standards for evidence went from solid and clear to just enough in other words evidence that was deemed 50.01% sure or anything alike was the standard now uh additionally the accused individual is now interdicted from analyzing evidence used against him performing a cross examination or to allow for the accused to hire an attorney. And uh, even if you can't find an attorney, it might as well be it might as well be some rented dude off the street desperate for a job as the attorney is not allowed to speak for the accused. Sounds scary, doesn't it? Now thankfully don't forget that these rules are no longer effective as Betsy Devos rescinded these regulations. So I just wasted my time explaining some rules that have been rescinded, right? Nope. You see, my friend, some colleague, uh, I'm sorry, some colleges are continuing to follow the flawed guidelines. The University of Colorado has refused to adhere by the new regulations and instead follow the rules from 2011. You know, the old flawed rules. And the focus isn't a matter of new versus old regulations or 
liberal versus conservative policies. It's a matter of what these rules mean, what these rules say regarding sexual assault. Look, to put it simply, in case you don't yet get it, these regulations from 2011 aren't fair. They're not good. They're not just. The University of Colorado is a university that is sticking to older regulation. The Title IX coordinator for the school, Valerie Simmons, claimed, One of the priorities has already been a prompt, equitable, and fair process for those accused of sexual violence in the victims. Records claim, however, that the process and procedures 2000-2018 for the University of Colorado interdicts the accused individual from performing a cross-examination so much for equitable and fair. Additionally, the accused doesn't have access to all the evidence being held against them. It's actually up to a collegiate official who may not even be qualified to toss the student a written evidence summary. This written evidence summary would then be filled with low standard evidence that is being held against the accused. And these guidelines that claim to be equitable and fair don't even match the recommendations published by the American College of Trial Lawyers. So, linked in the description box below for my viewers on YouTube and in the episode information section for my listeners on a podcast platform is a PDF version of the American College of Trial Lawyers white paper on campus sexual assault investigations. If you'd like to follow along with me, you're encouraged to do so as I head to page 11, which discusses the ACTL's recommendations need for procedural due process. And according to page 11 of the document, procedures carried out by academic institutions should operate under the concept of basic fairness, meaning that sexual misconduct investigations provide accused students with effective procedural protections. The ACTL also published that the stakes are very high as students are charged with serious offenses that carry the potential for substantial public condemnation and disgrace. The document adds that only students enrolled at public universities are given protection, while those at private institutions do not receive any. The ACTL adds in the document that students at both public and private institutions who are accused of sexual misconduct should receive the same due process protections. The section goes on to list what protections that students should be offered, such as access to all evidence, the right to be advised or accompanied by legal counsel, and the ability to carry out cross-examination of some form. Now, these universities without due process protections can cause a lot of problems. A lot of problems. Now, I'm finished with my sidetracking. I know, I know, it takes me forever and all that, but that's just me. That's just MGTOW Academy. That's just how I'm built, right? Now, that tweet that a follower pointed out to me was about a male student at the University of Cincinnati accusing a female student of sexual assault in the name of revenge. Why? As a form of defense. That's right. If you want to defend yourself, you better file a report first. Uh, the actual names of the students are being kept private, uh, and, and the names are anonymous names. They're not real names. They're made-up names. They're false names. So it will make it, it might be difficult to understand because uh, of the names and all that being similar. But whatever, the male uh, went by John Doe, and the female went by Jane Rose. So uh, basically, John did the reproductive rituals with Jane at his place after meeting on Tinder and chatting for some times. And three weeks after hooking up, 
Roe claimed that Doe, so the female claimed that the man sexually assaulted her. Now you see, the University of Cincinnati may offer some interesting classes, but one thing that they don't offer is due process protections for those under a Title IX investigation. And John Doe, who was the accused, had no chance to question his accuser. Why? Because the darn woman didn't even show up to court. Right, right. You've been accused. You you've been you've been sexually assaulted. All right. Yet you don't even show up to the campus tribunal hearing. Makes sense. Totally logical. Well, yeah. yeah well, at least John Doe had the option to question the witnesses directly. Huh? I'm sorry. What? What's that? Huh? He didn't. How? What? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, this just in. Uh, turns out an accused student can only turn in written questions, and those written questions are then judged by the tribunal on whether the questions are relevant. Then they will be passed on to the witnesses. Well, at least the witnesses attend the hearing, so... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, my, my, my bad, y'all. My bad. I almost forgot to mention that witnesses aren't required to attend the hearing, they can simply submit a good old notarized statement. And in the John Doe and Jane incident, the only evidence were the statements of the two individuals involved. And wait for it, wait for it, even those two pieces of evidence contradicted each other. And this evidence was compelling enough for the University of Cincinnati. The university went on to issue a suspension for John Doe that lasted two years. A federal court district judge, along with the Sixth Circuit, agreed that John Doe had his right of confrontation to his or her accuser violated. The Sixth Circuit described this situation as a he said, she said scenario. The appellate court criticized the university's actions, uh, what actions, you may ask, like uh, taking four months to notify John Doe of the accusations made against him and another four months to convoke a hearing, noting that the university's behavior is disturbing. I'm no judge or legal expert, but dude, I agree. That is some disturbing behavior. So, might be asking, hey, MGTOW Academy, what does all of this mean? It means that it's easier than ever at certain universities to falsely accuse someone of sexual assault and to get away with it. Like I mentioned earlier, sexual assault is no joke, and the weaponization of this is dangerous. It's very dangerous, in fact. Universities literally have it set up so that somebody can justify a sexual encounter as rape in their own mind, present mediocre evidence, and just leave it there. The university handles the rest using its flawed guidelines, and the innocent, falsely accused individual, that person is at the mercy of the university and its flawed guidelines. Because of the system that universities have set up, it's not a matter of what actually happened, it's a matter of who accused who first. And keep in mind that this can go both ways. Even though the system lacks uh, basic due process protections and is very unfair, it mostly matters uh, so far of who files a report first because it would be a violation of Title IX rules. But at the same time, keep in mind that uh, anti-male bias is quite present in universities. So that, that was really confusing to say, but I, the script uh, for this episode just wouldn't feel complete if I didn't add that in. In other words, 
Uh, this can happen to anybody. Anybody can be falsely accused. However, if it's a man who is falsely accused, he will face more problems in proving himself innocent if he is the accused. Now, you might be wondering, MGTOW Academy, I'm well aware of this problem, but what steps can I take to protect myself from a false accusation? Well, the best protection is prevention. Like with a fire, what's the best fire protection method? By taking action from preventing a fire to ignite in the first place. Now, of course, that doesn't 100% guarantee that there will be no fire. Same thing with uh, false sexual allegations being made against you, all right? You can't prevent someone from saying, this person sexually assaulted me. Of course, your best bet is to go mock mode, as it is called, and abstain from any sexual encounter. Still doesn't prevent anyone from saying, so-and-so raped me last night. Uh, but that's pretty much your best uh, guarantee option, I, if that even makes sense. Basically, it's the option out there that gives you the most protection, right? Compared to everything else, you know, pumping up and whatever, it, it gives you the most protection. Uh, however, there are actions and steps that can be taken to assist you and, in a legal matter and save your rear end if you do choose to occasionally perform the reproductive rituals. Documentation is an excellent step in protecting yourself from a false allegation. Keeping screenshots of text messages or SMS communications, if you want to get technical, has the power to save you when you need it the most. You can perform a quick search on the web of something along the lines of, uh, I don't know, text messages, clear or false accusation, and you'll get articles that highlight real-world examples of SMS communications proving innocence of a falsely accused individual. And remember that once something has been sent online, it's an action that really can't be undone. Even if that sender deletes the message, anybody can screenshot it before it's deleted. And with that in mind, maintain screenshot documentation of hookups and whatever crazy fiascos you hormone-driven lunatics get into. You never know who's going to say what. You can't prevent somebody from filing a report that is filled with lies and fictional information. Unlike I discussed earlier, academic institutions have major flaws in their systems that deal with sexual assault accusations. Your ability to maintain solid evidence to protect yourself is crucial in dealing with a false allegation being tossed your way, right? You would rather want to go out of your own way and uh, put in a little bit of effort uh, with storing screenshots instead of paying legal fees, right? Boom. There is one way to protect yourself. Another way to protect yourself is to remain visible with others uh, or be around others if appropriate. For, okay. For example, if you're at a party and want to stick your schlinger inside of the cute chick across the room, by all means, go for it if you want. Now, personally, I wouldn't take part in that stuff as sex isn't worth the price these days, but... If you want, go for it. I mean, your life, your call, not mine. Now, if you do want to go ahead and do the dirty dance with her, I would advise making the encounter in a more visible area. Now, don't actually bang each other in front of everybody else. Well, unless you guys like that stuff. But when you would supposedly approach her, do it in a location where potential witnesses can see what's going on or in a location where security cameras are present. You know what they say, security cameras is a man's best friend. Well, when it comes to a false accusation, that is. 
Solid video footage is undeniable solid evidence to help you in a false accusation being held against you. And uh, speaking of solid video footage, uh, why not try to record the encounter of the other person consents to it? Just make sure you can prove the other person actually consents to the video recording. So like, uh, I don't know, record them saying they consent to being recorded since, you know, recording someone without them knowing is illegal. Uh, you need evidence to make the video evidence legal. Otherwise, the other person could claim that they were unknowingly recorded, uh, which would make your footage backfire on you since that is illegal. Oh, uh, and, and by the way, just by the by, if you live in Canada, your evidence might be uh, useless. Yeah, that's right. During a live stream I held on my YouTube channel when I was when I was writing this very script for this very episode, my good friend MGTOW Values pointed out to me this thing called Bill C-51 in Canada, all right? And as of today's recording date, this bill is in effect. And it makes it easier for somebody to falsely accuse someone, all right? So uh, before, crucial evidence was withheld. So that way, the false accuser would tell their stories and get themselves, quote-unquote, stuck in a corner. And after the false accuser has told their fabricated story, the person who has been falsely accused uh, would submit the withheld evidence, such as SMS communications, and prove the accuser as a liar. But thanks to Bill C-51, you must turn in your evidence all at once, allowing for the false accuser to bend their story around the submitted evidence. So, as if it isn't already difficult enough to defend yourself in a false accusation, in Canada, you're screwed even more. Jeez, this sure is a lot of work. In modern society, where hypergamy thrives and male sexuality is exploited, the price of sex rises while the value of it decreases. The dating world and all the shenanigans attached to it is like a marketplace and for a man seeing the dating world as an economic market enables you to perceive it better comparing it to an economic market enables you to perceive it better uh for example let's say that we have a phone that we want to sell we, we have a phone we want to sell it right uh the price of it goes through the roof for what the phone offers it's like a thousand dollars but its value is significantly lower than that because it lacks basic features like a headphone jack. Uh, so if you want to use headphones, you got to buy some wireless headphones that need charging. Don't want to charge your headphones, that's fine. Just buy an adapter to carry around for headphones that you can plug in. But then you can't charge your phone and listen to music at the same time. You'll need another adapter for that. Uh, now, if a $1,000 phone without a headphone jack existed, that would be a pretty stupid idea, wouldn't it? My good friend Jeremiah agrees with me on that. And if a phone like that did exist, would you buy it? Well, most likely not. Now, let's assume that people make the wise choice and decide to not purchase this phone. What would happen to it? What would happen to that phone? It would fail as a product, and the company would suffer big time, right? And if you don't yet get it, this is an analogy to compare a crappy, overpriced phone to sex. Sex is like the iPhone 10. It's ridiculously overpriced for what it is and all the complex stuff that comes attached with it.
And generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, 80% of women go for 20% of men. And doing some basic mathematical calculations, that's definitely not the majority of men. Now, you can become the 20%, uh, but that, that topic and everything, that's for another day. All right. Anyways, for the average Joe, getting some action is quite difficult. A woman needs looks. That's it. A man, on the other hand, however, needs looks. He needs status and he needs money. And it's definitely possible to be the 20% or whatever without money and that type of stuff. But generally speaking, you'll need that type of stuff. Let's just assume you'll need all that stuff. And, uh, Hmm. Let's see. Considering the current struggle of staying out of debt in modern times, where the uh, 99% is controlled by the 1%, and most people are sucking on corporate cock big time, it's not always so easy to have the financial status women desire in a man. All right, you can get there, but it ain't that easy, and it depends on the condition of the economy, which, unless you're the elite, isn't in your control. The last time I checked. All right. Uh, you can lift weights and build muscle to help you in the looks department and build character and learn some tricks to build status. But, you know, it's a strict market out there with millions of guys competing for a few women. And most guys won't even get anything near their desired woman. Even so, when you actually get laid, it's awesome. But a lot of things are awesome. Getting your pilot's license is awesome. Getting lean and building muscle mass is awesome. Making new friends is awesome. Going on an adventure uh, is awesome. Lots of things are awesome. And, other, and those awesome things come with different risks, all right? Sex comes with high risk and high investment with a low chance of getting what you desire. And, and of course, you know, that may change. Maybe the chance will get higher. But, you know, generally speaking, you get a low chance of getting what you want because there are lots of other guys out there. You are just one out of a million. All right. And understand this. A long, 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 long time ago. It was essential for men and women to pump out children. It's what kept the human race alive. But now it's not. It's not essential for your survival either. You'll receive biological satisfaction, yeah, from passing seeds to another woman, but you might also end up with an ugly, fugly 18-year contract you'll be enslaved to called child support. Definitely not what you wanted, true, but here it is. Or you might end up with a bad reputation for the rest of your life because Stephanie says you drugged and raped her when you didn't. No biggie, just prove yourself innocent in court. What? Oh, wait, never mind. But, but... Then you also catch more STDs that you can count with all your fingers from what hole that's experienced more cultures than you ever will. But why are you surprised? When you're with a girl, it's just your turn. She's already sucked off Trevor. She wrote Jeremiah. And by the way, did you see the pictures and video of the party she went to a month ago? I kind of liked, uh, what, 12 guys in that orgy. How many did you count? I bet you feel real proud now, don't you, buddy? You were her 83rd hookup. 83rd time's a charm, you know. Uh, by the way, is it just me or does it sort of seem like, you know, sex isn't worth pursuing anymore? I mean, come on. In movies, TV shows, and books, sex is usually the ultimate prize for a man. But in 
today's modern society with the high risk that comes along with sex to most rational men it's a journey not worth pursuing some may still want to do so but with how flawed and biased laws are these days it's a very high risk investment with a relatively low reward in today's podcast i hope you learned about how it's becoming easier for women to falsely accuse men of things they didn't do and how it's becoming more difficult for men to defend themselves media outlets are just now discovering that young people are having sex less often, and this might be one of the reasons why. Because of how defenseless men are and how easy it is for them to be accused, sexual assault has now become a weapon. And that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank you, my beloved listener, for tuning into the show. Don't leave just yet, as I have a couple more announcements to make, all right? So first of all, if you like the content I'm making, please do consider a subscription. And if you're on a podcast platform, consider leaving a five-star review. I surely appreciate it. Share your thoughts with me in the comment section if you're on YouTube or if you're on a podcast platform. Share your thoughts with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at all caps MGTOW, followed by Academy. On Twitter, you can send me a message, share memes, and point out events or articles like my good friend at DinerNerdFallen2 did today. No Twitter, no problem. Drop into my inbox by sending me an email to mctowacademy.media uh, at gmail.com. The MGTOW Academy show isn't so easy to run, and uh, poor little me has to spend hours every day running MGTOW Academy, yet I receive no income. And all I ask is that you uh, continue to show support and interaction and all that type of stuff with the intent to spread wisdom among our fellow MGTOW brothers. However... If you'd like to go above and beyond, you're welcome to do so as I have linked below my Patreon, PayPal address, and the link to get yourself a mug to proudly show your support for the MGTOW Academy show. All profits will be used to help me uh, with production costs and all that type of stuff for my content. I have also made the decision to make my scripts public, so all my written stuff, the scripts will be available to you. Uh, for this episode, it will be available in the description box below or the episode information box below. So go ahead and check it out for yourself. Uh, by the way, this is also the final episode of the MGTOW Academy show, written and produced and all that type of stuff in 2018. I have grown so much, and it wouldn't be without you guys. Thanks so much for the never-ending support. I love you guys to the moon and back. And until next year, remember that it's a very dangerous world out there, so be sure to keep taking your daily doses of rebels and stay safe. Everybody, this is MGTOW Academy, signing off.